How many of y'all been with us for the last two weeks? And those people that haven't been there like, I don't want to say anything. It's okay. We're glad you're here this morning. But this morning, I want to step into the next part of our series called Fear Not. This has been a series that God laid upon my heart, and I hope it's been ministering to you the same way it's been ministering to me. Over the last two weeks, we have been in this series here at the house, and I encourage you to go back and listen to the message because let me help you with something you'll get today, but I want you to get all of the meat of where we've been for the last two weeks. The first week, we defined fear. So many times we say we have fear, but we really don't even know what fear is. And the first week, we defined fear and exposed fear for what it is. The definition of fear reads this, a distressing emotion aroused by impending danger. Whether the threat is real, watch it, or imagined. Whether the threat is real or imagined, it is the feeling or condition of being afraid. Anybody got any fear that they deal with sometimes? Come on, some of us have fears to drive when it's raining outside. Can I just say this with love? I don't know why this happens in Louisiana, but everybody forgets how to drive when it's raining. It's like the raining turns their brain off, and they're just like, oh, I can't drive. Drive your car. Okay, there, there are things that we're afraid of. There are things. But can I just say this to you? I'm going to say this to you. I believe the majority of our fear is imagined and not real. I think it's things that we create. I think it's things that we think about and we overthink it and overthink it and overthink it until a point where we become so fearful on the inside that we can't even exist anymore. A distressing emotion aroused by impending danger, evil, pain, etc., whether the threat is real or imagined. How many of you understand that if Christ dwells in you, fear cannot? If the hope of glory is dwelling on the inside of me, the fear cannot dwell where faith has to reside. So if fear gets in, then faith has been overcome by your fears. So if you walk around saying, I'm afraid, then what you really should be telling is people, I don't have faith. And it's very hard to tell people I don't have faith. So you have to find out what you're going to believe in this moment. So the first week, we defined what fear was. We understood that it's a spirit, for the Bible declares that God has not given you the spirit of fear, which makes it a persona, which makes it a being. How many times that when you get people around you, you don't want around you, you tell them to go away? I tell my kids that sometimes. They come into my room, Dad, what? What? I've got girls right now that are like very talkative. Very, very talkative. They just want to talk about nothing for like 20 minutes. I'm like, what is it? I just want to talk. Okay. I'm a dude. We don't talk that much. I'm going to go into the room. You can talk to your mom. Y'all can exhaust all of those words because they're not in me. I, I get this space, but, 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 but how many times do you have people? Like, I don't like people that are negative around me. I don't like people that are naked. I don't know what I'm. Go away. Go away. Go away. Go away. Go away. It's amazing we'll tell people to go away. We'll separate ourselves from people, but we will not separate ourselves from fear. The truth be told is because we're intimate with fear, it has become a part of our existence and a part of our culture. Pastor, I don't have fear. Bull. Don't lie. You all, we all have this thing in us. It's been cultured in us. Watch. Okay. I walked into Home Depot yesterday. I've been at Home Depot a lot this last week, amen. Um, but I walked into Home Depot yesterday, and they have this full, like, demonic section of Halloween stuff. And I will rephrase that, phrase that as the demonic section of Halloween stuff. Because there's this, there's this weird little uh, jack-in-the-box that's standing there, and it's bouncing. And it's like, ha, 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 ha. I don't know what makes you afraid, but I know what made you afraid when you were little. Which told me right then we've been cultured to be afraid since we were children. And the enemy is only looking for us to keep rekindling that fear. And so we've been cultured to live by fear. We, we embrace fear. We, em, we embrace scary movies. Why, why, why do we embrace something like Freddy Krueger? Why do we embrace something like Jason? Ooh, I want to dress up like a murderer. That sounds like fun. Let me put on knives on my hands so I can go and scare the mess out of people because it's fun. Then we're not talking about peekaboo around the corner. Ah, you scared me. We're talking about some creepy junk. But we've been cultured to be it's okay. I love what Lowe's did. Lowe's just put out Christmas. <laughs> I walked into Lowe's the other day. It was like, no Halloween, it was just Christmas. I was like, oh, that's nice. Praise the Lord. Praise, praise the Lord. Okay, but we've been cultured. We've been created to operate in this space. When things don't work out for us, we get afraid. When things come against us, we get afraid. When our kids get sick, we automatically put them in a grave and think they're going to die. Oh, God, they've got a fever. They're, they're going to die. No, they're not. They've got a little illness. Give them some medicine. Pray for them. God's faithful. Hello. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't know what to do. Okay. 
Sean, when she called me about Olivia, she didn't go, oh, Pastor, oh, God. She said, Pastor, I just need you to pray. So I can do that. She got, we're just going to stand and believe and trust God that this thing's going to happen. That's where we got to get. If we are going to stand in this thing and tell the world that we are blood-bought, spirit-filled believers, then, baby, we got to speak this thing, walk this thing, talk this thing, and let the world see who we are and not waver in what we do and what we say. So last week, I gave you the first tool. Once we defined it, once we exposed it, then last week, I gave you the first tool. And that first tool was to seek God. In Psalms 34, verse 4, it says, I sought the Lord. Watch it. Here it comes. I sought the Lord, and he what? He answered me, and he freed me from all my fears, which will make me to believe that if I just seek God more than my problems, he'll deliver me from them. And then I won't fall into a fearful space. So if you go to the hospital and the doctor gives you an unfavorable report, and then you go home and you seek everyone's opinions and emotions and pats on the back and sympathy and empathy and all that stuff, and you haven't sought the Lord, you have now convinced yourself that the diagnosis of the doctor is bigger than the one who created you. And God says that even when the, when the report comes, I need you to seek me. The Bible says to seek ye first the kingdom of God. Seek that first, and then all of these things shall be added unto you. But we got to get to a point where we're not seeking God on a Sunday. We celebrate God on a Sunday. You seek God on a Monday. See, that's the difference. And I can't seek God for you. I can tell you how to do it. I can give you tools to do it. But I can't go into your house and go like, hey, hey, wake up. It's time to go seek the Lord. You don't want me early in the morning around your house. I promise you. You don't want, hey, get up. My wife does this thing with the kids when she wakes them up in the morning. She doesn't do it anymore. It used to drive them nuts. My son loves it. She walks in, I looked at her, I said, stop it. Your kids are going to hate you. Don't do it. She's like, why? It's what my mom did. I said, and you hated it. What are you doing? Okay, what if I came to your house and went, get up, it's time to seek the Lord. You wouldn't seek him. You'd fight me. She'd be like, go do the loot one more time, watch what happens. The truth be told is that you, listen, me seeking God for you doesn't make you a God seeker. It makes me a one who seeks God and you want to claim my blessings over yours. You can't get what I'm seeking God for, and I can't get what you're seeking God for. And that's the great part about God is he's got enough for all of us. Seek God. Seek him first. If he says, I, David said, I sought the Lord, and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. You understand that if you'll seek God in the middle of a struggle, your fears will subside. Because how can a mind that is focused on God be focused on fear at the same time? So today I want to give you the next tool. And I'm going to keep doing this until we get it because I'm believing we're going to break the spirit of fear in this house. I believe we're going to be a free church, a living church, a, a moving church, one that's, one that's active in this moment, not hiding in this moment. I love what the House Modesto, the House Modesto opened up their building today. This is their first day back during the, the full back during the pandemic. And I was talking to Pastor Mike about it. And he said, he said, in all honesty, we're opening. We don't care if we get arrested. So we're done. We're, we're not going to we're not going to let the government tell us we can't have church anymore. We're done with it. And he said, if they come and lock us all up, they're going to lock us all up for the glory of God. Not because we're sitting around going, oh, you can't do anything. The church was never meant to be silent. The church was meant to be um, active and moving. And so I'm excited for them this morning. But this morning, I want to give you the next step. Am I talking too fast yet? Good. Just take a deep breath and take it all in. Amen. <sighs> Thank you, Pastor Dylan, for trying to kill me this morning. I appreciate it. Here's the next part. You ready? Psalm 46. Get your Bibles out. Psalm 46. You'll find out as I go through this series, a lot of these scriptures are out of the book of Psalm. Why? Because David, David understood fear. David understood what fear was, but understood how to get through fear. Because he always found himself consulting God, not people. You'll, you'll find if you read the Psalm, you'll find out real quick. Here's the scripture that God gave me for this one. You ready? Psalm chapter 46, verse 1 through 3, it says this. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help. I could just stop right there and preach the whole message about being a present help. Stop making him, stop making him in a future help. Can we just make him a present help? He's here now. We might as well just enjoy it while he's here. Well, yo, maybe he'll help me one day. Man, that, God said, this didn't say uh, God is our refuge and strength, a very present future help. Oh, great. I hope I get there. He says, no, I'm here right now. Watch this. Verse 2, here it comes. Therefore, I will. Mm -hmm. Even though the earth be removed. Now, that's some crazy thought right there. 
That means the earth goes away. That means you're dead. You understand that? If the earth is removed, we're all dead. David says, even if you destroy everything, I'm not afraid. I don't care. Therefore, we will not fear, even though the earth be removed, even though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, earthquake, shaking, shifting, though its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake and it's swelling. Let me add, though they give us, though we have the Chinese virus, though, though uh, our kids have to go back to school, though, though finances aren't where they're supposed to be, though my family is not where it's supposed to be, though my marriage is not where it's supposed to be, though that my, my children are not saved yet, though, oh God, what do I know? He says, and all of this, God, you are a refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, I will not fear. Do you understand that is not an acceptance? That is a refusal. When was the last time you just said, I refuse to be afraid? Because here, watch, watch, watch. The spirit of fear comes in. You're either going to accept it or refuse it. Felicia, thank you. Sometimes we got to get to the point where we stop saying, it's okay, I can put it in my pocket, I'll throw it away later. Okay, watch this, watch this. If I asked you to go outside this morning and pick up the parking lot, the trash that's in the parking lot, would you put it in your pocket or would you find a trash can for it? But yet we'll put fear in our pocket, carry it into our homes, set it on the dresser with our change and our wallets and our keys. And then when we go back to leave, we, we have a tendency, some of you dudes do this, because I know I do this, I'm like just grabbing everything and shoving it back in my pockets. Because I'm probably going to need that later. And so we put the fear back in. And then when we, when we find ourselves in a moment, like, yeah, yeah, I got that. I got, I got the fear. See, I got the fear. I got the fear. I, I got it. I already got it. I'm here already. I'm good. You don't, have to, you don't have to say anything. I got it already. And God says, no, no, no. I didn't give you that spirit. You, you put that spirit in your pocket. You decided to carry that garbage with you. And I didn't even put that on you. When was the time you said, no, this is garbage. This needs to go in the trash. This is not meant for me. There's no promise in this. It's why it's trash. But yet we will carry fear like it has some kind of open-ended promise for us. That, that, well, well, I'm not going to hold it so I can show people how much of an overcomer I am. Yeah, look how much of an overcomer I am. I carry my fear with me. You haven't overcome anything. You've just gotten comfortable with it. He says it very easily. He says, he, he says in this scripture, he says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Can I just say this to you? Maybe if I just look at this scripture and kind of break it down for you, maybe the reason God's not your present help in times of trouble is because you fear. Because you've accepted fear. Because you haven't refused it yet, you've made it a part of your existence. And God's saying, hold up, time out. I can't become your refuge and your strength and your very present help in trouble if you keep speaking fear more than you speak faith. If you keep declaring your pain versus your promise. It can, you can't watch. Watch, 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 watch. If you're running around going, my life sucks all the time, what do you think your life is going to do? It's going to be the best ever, Pastor. I mean, just, I'm just saying that. I don't really mean it. Yes, you do. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. See, whatever is in here is going to pop out of here. I don't know if you realize that yet. Whatever gets on the inside of you will eventually come out of you. Can I just say this to you? If you have a cussing problem, you might want to be careful how many people you're around that cuss. Because what comes in pops out. It, it does. And, and I'm, 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 I can tell you a story. I've done it. Amen. I, look, I ain't been saved my whole life. Amen. I've been in church my whole life, but I ain't been saved my whole life. Amen. He says, I'm your refuge, I'm your strength, the very present trouble. Therefore, we, 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 who is David talking about? We, all of us, we will not fear. So this morning, I need to give you your next tool, and that is to after you've exposed fear, defined fear, and you start to seek God, now that you're seeking God, I need you to trust God. The word trust is defined as this, reliance on and confidence in the truth, the worth, reliability, etc., of a person or thing. And I love what Webster's Dictionary adds at the end of this section. You ready? Faith. Look, even Webster was saved. Come on, work with me for a second. Webster understood. Because trust is having faith. Faith is that reliance on and confidence. Watch this. How many of us in this room actually believe that what God said he will do, he will do? Because here's what we do. We say, God, I trust you to do it. Show me first. Because if you show me, then I'll trust you. Once you move, then I'll really believe. Once you do it, then I'll worship you. And God says, no, worship me in the valley so I can show you how big I am on the mountaintop. 
you got to get to this point where you understand that trust is pure bread confidence in the truth. The truth of what? Well, let me help you with that. Because there's only one truth we carry. This little thing we call a Bible. I know it's not popular in the church today because we've become a digital age. And so we're going to have it on our phones and our iPads, and that's how we're going to operate. But wherever you carry it, however you carry it, this word is sharper than a two-edged sword. Now, I got nice leather on my Bible. It's nice and soft. But this sucker will cut you real quick. Do you understand that if the enemy, if you get this in you, the enemy gets really afraid of you? If this word gets in here, watch. I said whatever comes in here comes out of here. The Bible says there's life and death and the power of the tongue. So if it gets in here, then when I get afraid, this creeps out. This starts to slide out of my mouth rather than, oh, God, what am I going to do? Oh, Lord. Okay, let me give you one real quick. Watch, 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 watch. How many of y'all ever had like a weird issue in your body and you Googled it? Y'all ever done that? And the answer you get is like, you're going to die in three days. Amen. You're, you're going to die. You're, you're dead. Just go ahead and find a plot, bury yourself. It's over. Okay. So I had my gallbladder removed about three or four days ago. My left side started cramping up. I'm like, what is that? Of course, you go look at anatomy and you start pulling up pictures and you're like, that's where my spleen is. That's not good. That's not a pain I'm used to. And it's literally radiating here up into my shoulder, down my left arm. That's not normal. And then you start looking and you get into more definition. It says that you can get a spleen, an infection in your spleen, which actually could give you a heart attack and kill you. Work with me for a second. Everybody's like, go to the hospital now, Pastor, you're going to die. I'm sitting right there on the, on the, on the chair right there. And I'm like, okay, that's, that's a really ugly report. That's not a good thing. Oh, God. Then I said, hold up, time out. I went into surgery knowing that I had an answer from God because I knew there was something else wrong with my body and I needed to figure that out. What I had was the size of a golf ball in my gallbladder. Okay, so we figure this out. We get this thing removed. We're moving forward. And isn't it just like the enemy to come and try to tell me that the heart thing didn't take you, the gallbladder didn't take you, but this is how I'll take you. And then I had to remind the devil, you couldn't take me with my heart. You couldn't take me with my gallbladder. You dang sure ain't going to take me with my spleen, Jack. So let me serve you a notice rather than you serve me a notice. I know whose report I'm going to believe. And my faith tells me that God sent me to the hospital today to find out this was broken so that this could get right. Devil, you're a liar. Go back to the pit of hell where you came from. I'm done with you. And I got up and went back to work. And instead of me going, oh, God, I'm going to the hospital. Ha, ha. My, my blood pressure has been up. I, I, I was a little concerned about that. That's normal after surgery. Okay, got all these things happening. And, and God's just like, Brian, I'm just going to, you're just going to trust me. So watch, last night. I'll give it to you last night. Because I want you to see this because just because I say it doesn't mean I, have to, I haven't walked it. So last night, I'm, I'm, I'm going to bed, and my blood pressure is really high. Really high. Like I can feel it in my earlobes and my lips. It's high. And I go lay down. And God says, who are you going to believe? I laid my head on a pillow. I think I went to sleep in like three minutes. Didn't have one issue the whole night. And I woke up this morning, and I swear to you, as I'm going to the bathroom to start getting ready, I heard God say, you slept with it, didn't you? Because you trusted me and didn't trust you. Fear says, oh, God, there's a problem. Faith says, God, I trust you because you made this. You made this. You formed this. You knew this in my mother's womb. You knew it. So I'm going to trust you. I'm going to have reliance and confidence in the truth, the worth, and the reliability of you. I'm going to walk by faith and not by sight. Look at Psalms chapter 56, verse 3 through 4. You say, Pastor, why are you giving me so much scripture? Because I don't want to give you my opinions. I need to give you word so that when you go into fear, you go, ha, devil, watch this. Psalm 56, verse 3, it says this. Whenever I'm afraid, I will trust in you. Holy cow, there's some revelation right there. Like, wow, it's that simple. Yes, it's in your Bible. Whenever I'm afraid, I will trust in you. No, whenever I'm afraid, I'm going to post it on Facebook so people will say, oh. Whenever I have a problem, I'm going to let the world know because the world's got better answers than God does or my Bible. Or I'm not going to read my Bible because I don't want to take the time to read my Bible because that takes too much work. I'd rather have somebody just give me their opinion than me do that. Y'all know my thing on opinions. They're like buttholes. <laughs> Everybody's got one, and most of them stink. But yet, we'll choose to believe them. 
You know what's funny to me? Some people will give me scripture and it's really just opinions. Because they'll box this one and box this one and sandwich them together and go, this is what the Bible says. And like, bro, you didn't even read that. And then we're like, oh, that's the word of the Lord for me. It's like my wife was preparing for this thing this morning. And, and you understand, my wife, she woke up on a Monday with a fire up under her. And I'm like, what is going on? Like, she ran off to a prayer closet. She's writing and reading. And God's, God, God shared something with her. And she caught this revelation about the Day of Atonement. And I'm like, go, baby, run with it. Run with it. Have fun. She's like, she's sitting at the desk and right by the bench. She's like, did you know it said this? Did you know it said this? Did you know it said this? And so last night I'm looking over her notes because I had a little concern because I know my wife. And uh, I'm like, she's going to try to preach this thing, and, and it's going to be a crazy Sunday. Amen. And, uh, and so I'm looking through some of her notes, and she, she brings up this one scripture. And, and I said, babe, without the teaching behind this, this might kind of throw the church for a kind of a flip. And she said, wait a minute. It, said, it says that during this day of atonement, uh, it says to afflict your souls and to bring forth a fire offering before the Lord. I said, baby, people are going to be flogging themselves in the sanctuary. And going out in the parking lot lighting bonfires and going, praise God. <laughs> Hold on. Jesus help us. Okay. The truth of it is at the end of the day, when I was talking to her, she was like, you're terrible. I don't even know what to do. And I said, just trust God. He's going to carry you through it. But we haven't taught on this yet, but I understand where you're trying to go. So deliver it in this way. And she's like, okay, all right. So she came in. At first, I was a little fearful. I didn't know where we were headed. There was so much going on today. But I was like, no, God, you laid this on her heart. I trust you. I know who you are, and I believe you speak to my wife. So, baby, go for it and do it. And, and, and it, we have this thing that says when fear comes, hey, I'm going to trust. Okay. So I put my, my babies on a bus, so I send them off to school. And we get these little phone calls. And you all get these phone calls yet? I think I get 52 recorded phone call messages from a day because I have three different kids, four different kids that go to three different schools. So everybody calls me. My phone rings after school all day, all day. All. We just want to report to you that somebody in the school has caught the virus, and it's our, it's our responsibility to inform you. And if, if that person had direct contact with your child, we'll call you privately. Why don't you just call me privately? Because you're just trying to spark all kinds of fears up in this thing. If that person didn't have anything to do with my kid, I don't need to know. I don't care. But until my kid is affected, then, then, then call me. But don't, don't, don't spark your little fire of fear up in me. Make me want to run around the house and go, oh, God, I'm going to die. No. Okay, but here's what it comes. So when that, when that phone call comes, this is what I do. I hit, I, hit the, I hit the phone, and all of a sudden it goes, this is so-and-so from the blah, blah, blah school, and we've just called the formula. Click. Because I don't care. Because I know which report I'm going to believe. I'm going to trust God. Not the world. You go, Pastor, that's blind faith. Hello. Maybe the problem is you keep trying to make your faith dependent upon what you can see rather than what you can't see. Whenever I'm afraid, I didn't mean to let that one slip. I'm sorry. Whenever I'm afraid, I will trust in you. Can y'all just get that in your spirit this morning? Whenever I'm afraid, God, I'm going to trust you. Hey, God, whenever I'm afraid, I'm going to trust you. I want you to go around all week long going, hey, God, whenever fear comes in, whenever I'm afraid, you know what, God, I'm going to trust you. You know how mad the devil's going to get? He's like, dang it, they're winning. They're not supposed to win. They're not supposed to trust him. They're supposed to be afraid. They're supposed to be living in fear, crawling up under a desk, and we're all going to die. No, I'm going to trust you because watch what it says. In God, in verse 4, it says, in God, I will praise what? What? Which means it's the declaration before you. It is not the declaration after you. Watch this. This word came before you. So God spoke it before you breathed. Yep. So the word has already been declared ahead of you. Yep. So everything that this word says is mine because I follow behind it. He says, I will pray in God. I will praise his word. Stop praising your pain. Stop praising your weaknesses. But praise his word. He goes on and says, in God I have put my trust. I will not fear. What can flesh do to me? Because here's watch, watch what happens. Y'all know that fear is a direct correlation to your flesh being out of whack. He says, what can flesh do to me? What he's saying is, is that if fear is conquered in me, my flesh cannot rise up. That faith has now consumed me. I am consumed by God. Therefore, what can my flesh do to me? My flesh is sinful. But my spirit, man, takes control, and it, 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 it 
it, I'm trying to think of the word here, it, it resonates or it, or it uh, permeates or it, it shows forth faith all the time. But for some reason, we have this tendency to let the fear cover the faith. And we tell God, God, if you're really God, you'll break through the fear. And God goes, if you were really a believer, you'd cast it off. If you were really my beloved, if you were really my kid, you'd say, that's not for me. I'm tired of putting that trash in my pocket. I'm done with it. I'm done being afraid. Could you imagine what a church would look like if we stopped entertaining fear? Think about the move of God. The one of the greatest stories I've ever, I've ever seen happen in front of me. Okay. Well, I've got two, but I'll give you one that I don't talk about a lot. Uh, I went on a missions trip to Oaxaca, Mexico. Sounds like a gross word, Oaxaca. Okay. We were in the mountain regions of Oaxaca showing the Jesus video. We were shot at by a Catholic priest for showing the Jesus video, which was really, I mean, you could hear the bullets whizzing through the air above your head. You're like, pow, pow. We're like, okay, pick it up. We're going to go. All right. Okay. Um, and then a torrential downpour came and washed his house away that night. Okay. Uh, so we got to a, we got to a village that night. Uh, we had to walk down the side of a mountain in the rain, really sketchy. If we'd have died, they'd have never found us, but we were going. And so we went down to this village in the middle of the night. We slept in, in, in a mud brick home or I don't know what they call that, but it's, yeah. And, uh, the next morning we were getting ready to have service so that the whole day we were preparing for service. And this one kid, I don't even know what his name was. He, his legs were deformed. He literally walked seven miles from his house down the side of a mountain with legs that were deformed just to get to church because he heard there was a God that could heal him. Mm. And I got so jacked up because sometimes I didn't even want to trust God for food. But this man was, this little boy, little boy, little boy, broken hurting, walked down the side of a mountain with a smile on his face, seven miles to hear the word of the Lord for him because he had gotten word that God was going to show up. That night, his right foot turned straight and he went home that night after service by himself, mind you, in the middle of the night, back up a mountain to go tell his parents what God had done for him. We had service the next night. He brought them back. They all got saved as a family. Now watch this. This is the part I was thinking about. His fear didn't stop him from receiving what God had for him, and his fear didn't stop him from going back home in the middle of the night to go tell his parents. But yet, we'll have a hard time walking into a dark room without turning the light switch on because the boogeyman might have showed up with the doors locked. You know what I'm talking about? You're walking down a dark hall, you're like, I heard something. Come on, work with me for a second. I got kids. They're like, I'm like, can you go to the living room and get this? No, it's dark. <laughs> the doors are locked. I know. So go. I don't want to. I'm afraid. Why? I'm teaching my four-year-old right now. The boogeyman is not in the house. Daddy would have shot him by now. Whenever I'm afraid, I will trust in you. In God, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust. I will not fear. What can my flesh do to me? If you have a problem with fear, you probably have a flesh issue in you. You need to get your flesh under control so your fear can die. Let me give you another one. Here it comes. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. Anybody get anything out of this yet? Good. Praise the Lord. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. It says this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Oh, here it comes. Lean not on what? Can I translate your opinions? Because God doesn't care about them. He doesn't. His word is bigger than your opinions. Shut them down. If it's anything contrary to this, I'm going to let it go. Did you, do you realize that? That if, you, if your thought life is contrary to the word life, then it's, becoming a, it's just an opinion. And that opinion is probably creating fear in you because you're not trusting this. You're trusting your thoughts. <sighs> Trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding in all your ways. What? What does that mean? What does that mean to acknowledge him in all my ways? That nothing comes in your life that God didn't hand you. And he gets the praise for all of it. Even what you think is bad. 
Father, I don't know why you let me go through this, but I'm going to trust you. God, I don't know why you let me have a heart problem, but I'm going to trust you. God, I don't know why you let me have a kidney stone the size of a golf ball for the last 20 years, but I'm going to trust you. God, I don't know why I have to go through two surgeries in less than two years. I don't know what you're doing, but God, I'm going to trust you. Listen, I, here's what I feel like every time I go through a surgery, I get a little more faith. Because I'm not going to let fear. It's very easy to crawl up on a bed and let them go to surgery. And you have all these thoughts that start percolating in your head. You're going, oh, God, this could go really bad. And, of course, they have to make you sign a piece of paper that says, by the time you're done with this, you could die. But the truth be told is to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. So while I'm signing my name, what I'm saying on the inside is, hey, God, if you choose, this is the moment to take me. I know that you're going to provide for my family, protect my family, keep my family. And my children are going to do greater things than I ever did. And if you try to decide to make me go home, then I know you'll be standing there with open arms ready to receive me. Hey, I'll sign my all that all day long because at the end of the day, that's the full goal for my life is to finish this race so I can continue it there. And whatever God has for me on the next step, that's what we'll do together. So I'm not walking in this thing by fear. I'm trusting God in all things. You get a little pain in your body. Were you trusting God or are you talking about it? <laughs> I don't know. It's, I'm sick. I'm sick. I'm sick. I, no, you're not. You're whole. You're healed. You're delivered. You're set free. Shut up. I love people who say, man, I trust God, but they say things that are so ignorant. I, I have faith in God, but I'm sick and I'm dying. You don't trust. You trust God as much as the dirt and the grass. Like, don't give me that. You don't trust God. If you trusted God, you'd say, the doctor said I'm sick, but my word says I'm whole. And I'm going to hold on to my word. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And what happens? He'll direct your path. In other words, wherever you're walking without this is not a good place. But if you do these things, you'll end up in the right place. Okay, trust, trust God with what? All your heart. I love what Isaiah chapter 12 verse 2 says. It says, behold, mm, mm, God is my salvation. Not man, God. I will trust and not be afraid. For, yea, the Lord is my strength and my song. He also has become my salvation. Can I say this to you? Salvation is not a one-time thing. Salvation is a lifestyle. That'll preach a whole other message in itself right there. Stop looking to be saved one moment and live saved. Okay. But I, I, I like this one part of verse that says, it says, Yea, the Lord is my strength and my song. Okay. If you have a hard time with worship, it's because your spirit man doesn't trust God yet. And you can't tell your mouth to say something that your spirit man doesn't believe. And so God says, when you start to trust me, I'll put a song on the inside of you. And I'll cause worship to bubble out of you. Because you'll understand this, that I inhabit, I dwell, I rest in the praises of my people. He says, when I am trusted, I will not only give you strength, but I'll give you a song on the inside. I'll cause you to worship. You can't even run from it. You can't sit and worship like this. All of a sudden, you're like, I, I, I got to sing. I, I got to sing. I, I don't know why. I, just, I feel like I, like I got to sing. I, ooh, okay, God, I'm going to do this thing. People, I, I remember one time years ago, I, I said, lift your hands in church. And some lady got offended with me. She said, it should, be our, it should be our decision, not you telling us to do it. It's not like I came down with a gun and stuck it in your hand. Like, put it put it with your hands. Like, I, all I'm trying to do is help you see that worshiping God is actually really fun. It's not something to be afraid of. But do you know how many people are afraid to worship? Afraid to sing? Pastor Troy left at the wrong time. Amen. <sighs> oh, here it. No, dang it. Yesterday we were in the building. Amen. I can't even do it justice. Because I don't think I can even my worst day sing that off. But here's my point. Before you call, ooh, y'all, y'all are those stokers in school. Somebody said, ooh, ooh, because you just wanted to see a fight. Yeah, I got you. I got you. No, I got you. So, so Pastor Troy's in here vacuuming, and I'm sitting in my office. Pastor Dylan's, I think he was mopping the hallway. Chastity was here in the building, and all of a sudden, oh, oh, look, Troy's gonna come in a minute. Watch. Oh, Jesus, God, I love you. See, here he comes. It's like a summons from the Lord. And I remember sitting at my desk and I went, yep, there he goes. He's caught it. Here he goes. But here's the truth of it. He doesn't care what I, tell, what I say right now. He loves when I do this to him. 
We have a joke with our staff. We let him sing happy birthday to the staff. Amen. It is the greatest moment ever. I might just let him sing happy birthday to whoever's in the room or has a birthday or will ever have a birthday. It's worth, worth it. But, but here is the truth of it. His trust is in God, not your opinions. I can joke with him all day. He knows he sings off. His prayer right now is that God will give him a voice to sing. Pastor Ben jokes with him. Pastor Troy, you're on this Sunday. He's like, praise God, let's go. <laughs> no, we just meant the tambourine. That's all. That's it. Okay. The truth be told is, is that he doesn't care about your opinion. You could walk up and go, Pastor Troy, you really can't sing. But he's not doing it for your opinions. And he's not doing it so you can accept him. He's doing it because the joy of the Lord is on the inside of him. And his trust is completely in him. And it is out of the trust that worship buries on the inside of him. And even though it might not sound like a joyful noise to you or to me, God's going, that's my boy. And he's worshiping me. And watch what I'm about to do on his behalf. Stop being afraid what everybody thinks next to you. You might not be able to sing a tune in a bucket, but God says, that's my kids. And in their worship, they're trusting me. And while they trust me, I fill them to overflowing and I prepare them to go forward. I, I love it when they worship. He says, I will trust and not be afraid for yea, the Lord is my strength and my song. He's also become my salvation. Do you understand that if you have salvation, not catch salvation, not get salvation, if you have salvation, if it becomes your salvation, do you understand that you can never be lost again? Watch where I'm going with this. If I say that Christ has become my salvation, that means I have removed the clothing of being lost. Therefore, I can never live in that space again. Because I am putting on my salvation. I am wearing my salvation. Therefore, my sign says not Brian. My sign says saved. Therefore, I can't be lost. Okay. I got so much, so little time. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hmm. I thought I was talking fast enough. Amen. Let me give you one more. Can I give you one more? Give you one more. Jeremiah chapter 17. I'll make you turn there because I need you to grab this one. Pastor, just put it on the screen. Not yet. Amen. You got it? Say, I got it. You know that's a trick just so I can take a sip of water. Amen. Praise God. Jeremiah, I still, y'all still feel the energy in this room? Yeah. I would jump, but I might break my ankle. Amen. That's, that's fear talking. No, I'm just being funny. Hello. Jeremiah chapter 17. Some of y'all still turning. Amen. It's okay. Table of contents doesn't mean you're going to hell. Amen. Jeremiah 17, verse 7, 3. Here it goes. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. Blessed. How many of y'all want to be blessed? Remember that? Come on. Some of y'all aren't waving your hands at me. I told y'all this interactive church. You can't sit there and say it. So if you've got your hand down right now, you don't want to be blessed. That's what I thought. Praise the Lord. I knew you were in the room. I just want to make sure. Okay, I want to be blessed, right? Okay. The prerequisite to the blessings from God is trusting God. If you do not trust God, you cannot receive his blessings. Period. Yes, I can. No, no, those are your manufactured blessings. Those are things you've done. He didn't have any part of it. But it's, but it's blessing my flesh. Exactly. It's blessing my pride and my ego. Exactly. Those are not God's promises. Those are not God's blessings. Those are your blessings. You know what blows my mind? How people will take a house and say, these were the blessings of the Lord, but will not serve God. You heard me hit my head? I could hear myself hit myself in the head right there. <laughs> now I'm going to red right here now for doing that. Because I just, I'm like, how do, you, how do you say that God's blessing you, but yet you won't serve God at all? And yet you won't even trust him, but you want to act, you want to act spirit. That's the problem in the church. We got a bunch of actors, no real walkers, no real talkers, no real believers. We just have people who feel Sunday experiences because they don't want to go to hell. Let me help you with something. 
if you do not serve God, trust God, believe in God, hell is going to be a real place for you when it's over. And you could have gone to church every day, every week, seven days a week. But if all of this does not create a level in you to trust God, believe God, have faith in God, walk with God, then baby, when it's over, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I don't know you. Because you haven't given yourself to him. I don't understand how people can say, look at the blessings of God on my life. But yet they will not. What is pastor? What do you mean by serving God? Mean I got to go to church every day? No, that's not what it means. It means that you've committed your life to his purpose and his plan. And you trust him. And here's a kicker. Obey him. Behold, God is my, oh, I think I read that one already. Amen. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is in the Lord. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river. And will not fear when the heat comes, but its leaf will be green. And will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. Okay. I, I read this. I haven't even told my wife this yet. I read that this morning, and I've been praying about something. We had been, listen, I don't mind telling you this. If I can tell me something later, but that's okay. The entire time we've been pastors. We have rented a house. For 15 years, my wife and I have rented a house. Some of it was poor decisions on my part. Okay? Take full-blown financial responsibility for that one. There is a house that is in my neighborhood right now. It is an exact replica of the house I'm living in currently. It is one street away from me. My wife and I have been talking about if we get another, if we, when we buy a house, we want to put in a pool. Because we want to create a space that we can rest and relax and have family together and invite people over and have that space for us as a family. So there's this house that is on the other street. And I'm looking at it and I'm going, God, I like that. God goes, I'm sure you do. If you look at the house, it's painted the colors for the most part that my wife likes. There's carpet in the house. She doesn't like carpet. Okay, that can be dealt with, amen. But there's a what we call a Florida room. You know what a Florida room is? It's, a, it's an extended piece off the back, like a screened-in room, glassed-in room, that I could have my private time with God in the morning while I sit my decaf cup of coffee, because as we found out today, Pastor Dylan tried to kill me, amen. Um, and then there's a pool in the backyard, a beautiful in-ground pool in the back. Pastor, how are you going to afford that? I don't know. But then I read this word. It says, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. And those whose hope is the Lord. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spread out its roots by the river, and will not fear when the heat comes, but its leaf will be green. In other words, it doesn't matter what comes, the blessing is still there. Doesn't matter what you've been in, it matters where you're going to be. Trust it. Pastor, I see the heat and I'm going to die. Uh-uh. Trust it. Trust it. Trust it because it says that your roots are planted by the river. In other words, the ground has already been saturated for your benefit. Y'all going to catch this when I'm going here in a second. But its leaf will be green. Watch, here it comes. And will not be anxious in the year of droughts. Nor will cease from yielding fruit. When I read that this morning, this is what God laid in my heart. He says, Brian, I can do anything I want to do. But you're going to have to trust me with it. Listen, we've talked with our kids about it. This house came available literally right after we rented the house we're living in right now. Tiff does not want to leave the neighborhood. I don't care. I'm a dude. I can move. That doesn't bother me. She wants a home. Can I get an amen from a woman in the room right now? See, baby, you have friends. Amen. You're not alone. Okay. They don't agree with me. All right. Okay, good. All right. Guys, we're like, we don't care. Where we put a bed, there's a pillow. Good. We go to sleep. We're good. We wake up and go back to work tomorrow. Amen. Okay. So at the end of the day, but, but here's what I started telling God. Hey, God, you know the desires of my heart, but I want to make sure they're the desires of your heart. So I'm going to trust you. So we started checking into this house. It's becoming available. It'll come on the market at the end of the year. Okay. God, I still don't know how we're going to get this house yet. But you're going to trust me, Brian, because my blessings come by those who trust me. 
So we were talking about it the other day, and I said, you know what? God's got really placed my heart. He goes, Brian, I know you believe for it, but are you praying for it? Oh, God just God goes on to me just one time. Just Did you wake up on that one? Yes, sir, I got it. Okay, got it. He said, Brian, what's amazing to me is that you trust me for everything that's hard. But sometimes you won't trust me for the things that are lightweight for me. You'll trust me when there's problems. But sometimes you struggle in trusting me with things that I can flip a switch and move. That I can snap a finger and change. You'll trust me. You'll come to me and say you trust me when the doctor gives you an unfavorable report and tells you you got three years to live. But over the house, over a house, you haven't trusted me yet? I'm going to give you an insight into my world. Watch this. Watch this. I've trusted God for everything for 15 years, but the one thing I have not really trusted God for is a house for me and my family. God says, if you'll trust me in this, I'm going to bless your behind so hard. You're not even going to be able to handle it. Don't you worry about where the money's coming from. Don't you worry about how you can get the down payment. Don't worry about anything. You trust me, and I will move on the hearts of men on your behalf because you trust me. But he didn't say for that house yet. Because here's what I believe. Sometimes we limit God by our own wants rather than his desires. And don't you think that the God who owns a cattle on a thousand hills and has streets paved to gold has a greater desire than my mind can imagine? And I'm not a big house guy. I'm a big vacation guy. Amen. I like to go on vacation. Forget the house. I like to go out of town. I take my kids and go away. Now we like to go to Florida and burn. Praise the Lord. I thought I got away from that season. I obviously did not. Amen. But God started telling me, he says, I need you to trust me. This will be the last year I won't. Oh, did you just say that? Pastor, how do you know? My wife's looking at me big-eyed right now. She's like, you said it, sucker. You said it. I'm holding you to it. She can't hold me to it. We have to trust God together. So when the house comes up, we go, babe, we're trusting God. Whatever it is, we're trusting God. I've heard reports. Sean, we fought him a lot. Praise the Lord. He's moving on up to the east side. Amen. I've watched the hand, the blessings of God. Paul and Sydney got married on Friday. I did that just to, just to embarrass you. Amen. That was all for Sydney, Paul. It was all for Sydney. Okay. I've watched God. I'm watching the story of Olivia unfold right before our eyes. I'm watching God move. Where is it coming from? It's not coming from church attendance. It's not coming from doing the dues of church. It's saying, God, I'll trust you with my whole heart. I'll trust you with my family. I'll trust you with my babies. I'll trust you with my finances. I'll trust you with my job. I'll trust you with my walk. And God, you'll bless me because your word says you'll bless me. He says, fear not, for I am with you. Seek God. Trust God. How can you seek him if you refuse to trust him? But I trust him, which pushes me to seek him even harder, which turns this thing over where when fear comes in, I go, uh-uh, mm-mm, not today, Satan. You've been defeated. You have, how did you even get in my house? Who left the door open? Kids, which one of y'all are jacked up right now? Because some of y'all left that door open. Because I didn't let that sucker in. Who? The other night, Asher was afraid. To, I'm, I'm done. Pastor Ben, come on. I could go on all day. I got so much in me right now. It's not even fun. And it's still the caffeine talking, and it was only drank that much. Amen. Who? The other night, Asher, I, I, Asher wanted a sip of water, and his cup was in the living room, and the light was off. Dad, I'm afraid. I'm scared. I said, son, stop it. You're not scared. Yes, I am. I'm scared. I said, who told you you were scared? I always hold on to that verse in Scripture where Adam and Eve ate of the tree of knowledge, and, and, and it says that they ate of it, and immediately their eyes were opened, and they hid themselves, and they created clothing and covered themselves. And God comes into the cool of the garden. He's calling on Adam and Eve. And Adam and Eve, where are you, Adam? Eve, where are my kids who trust me? Where are my kids who seek me? Where are my kids who know me, who don't fear? Because I'm with them. 
Adam and Eve, where are you? And Adam and Eve stayed silent until God got real close to him. And he's got him. And Adam pops up and he goes, hey, God, we're, we're right here. And he says, what are you doing? He says, well, we hid. We hid because we were naked. There's a part of Scripture I think we ignore all the time. There's a statement that God says to him. And this is something that I hold on to, which breaks the bondage of fear. It says, God says to Adam, he says, who, who told you that? If life and death is in the power of the tongue, which God created everything with a word. That's why the word is so important to our lives as believers. If we understand the power of a word, the power of the word, then the majority of our fear is what has been spoken. Not what we've obtained, but what has been spoken. Sometimes it's what we speak, and sometimes it's what others speak to us. And so I told Jasher, I said, Jasher, who told you you were afraid? And his complex confusion came upon his face. He couldn't answer me. Now, this is a four-year-old I'm talking to, right? So this is a weird conversation at this point. I said, who told you you were afraid? And he looks at me again. He goes, I said, son, who told you you were afraid? He goes, nobody. I said, then you're not afraid, are you? He goes, nope. And walks. Of course, he got around the corner. Dad, will you come with me? <laughs> and sometimes the father has to step in to show you there's nothing to be afraid of. Got it? Okay. Yesterday, Friday, we went to the we went to altitude. I'll give you one more story real quick. We went to altitude. And um, I don't know what's gotten up in Asher, but my boy has become fearless all or fear not. Stop it. He's become a fear not child now. And so we're at the trampoline park and Love jumps off the trampoline, and she jumps off this platform onto an angle, and she's superwoman. It's like, it's really legit the way she does it. I'm like, dude, that's so cool, because I would die if I did that. And so she springs. Well, it goes wrong real fast. She springs. She head first in, and she scorpions where her feet go this way. She hits herself in the back of the head with her feet, and she's laying in the foam pit. She can't breathe. So, of course, what do you think Daddy does? Daddy jumps in, Jack. I'm getting my daughter out. And I bring her out, and the fear came over her. I can't do it again, Dad. I said, uh-uh. When we get hurt, we don't give in. We step back up to the plate again. Because I'm not raising a little girl who's going to be afraid when things don't go on her way, go her way. But that when we go through this, now understand, I'm a loving father. I checked on my daughter. I checked and made sure there was nothing broken, no pulled muscles, no nothing. She just caught herself in that moment. She knocked the wind out of herself. But she, everything tightened up when she did it. So I, I got her. She got back about 10 minutes later. She comes back. She goes, I, I want to do it, but I'm afraid. I said, no, you're not. Don't you dare say that. You're not afraid. You can do this. I said, you ready? No. No, Dad, I'm not ready. I said, I said yes, you are. You can do this. Baby girl, this is not going to kill you. You got this. She goes, I, I, okay. I said, okay, you ready? Ready? One, two, three. She jumps off. His thing does a flip. She looks at me. She goes, can I do it again? Sure you can. Here's what I'm trying to do. I'm teaching them to be fearless. Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. My son, who's four. The boy, we have a trampoline in the backyard. The boy's never done a flip in his entire life. We don't even know what's happening. He gets up there and just with boldness just leaps off. Flip. Jude and I are like, did he just do that? What just happened? He looks at me and goes, I did a flip. I'm doing it again. This boy was just going crazy at the trampoline park. Stuff I'm afraid to do. And I'm 42. Probably because when you jump in a phone tip at phone pit at 42, it's really hard to get out of the phone pit at 42. <laughs> it's harder to get out the phone pit than it is to get in the phone pit, man. <sighs> Heart attack. I'm like, I can't breathe. Just trying to get out the dang thing. But but I'm looking at this thing and, and I'm and I'm watching this, and God's dealing with me. He goes, Brian, I'm never gonna tell you to live a life that says don't jump. I'm always gonna tell you to leap. But it's between you leaving one place and landing in another that you're going to have to trust me completely. Because if you won't trust me, you'll find yourself landing in a position you didn't see yourself landing in. But if you trust me, once your feet come off the ground, I will guide you till you land in a place that I promised you'd be. Be willing to leap. Stop planting your feet so hard and go, no, I won't do it. I'm still trying to convince my 13-year-old, almost 13-year-old to ride roller coasters. He tells me no all the time. 
I'm dragging that sucker on a roller coaster one day. And one day when he gets and he's done crying, he's done whimpering and done whining, he's going to be like, dude, that was the coolest thing we've ever done together. This was awesome. Can we do it again? Look here. He goes, no, uh, 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 we're working on him. Amen. Fear not, son. Your, your daddy is with you. Amen. All right. Praise the Lord. It's time that we trust God. Trust God. Through this pandemic, trust God. Through the changes of our culture, trust God. Through the moments that we're watching on the news unravel, trust God. God's going to have his way. That's what his, his word says. I will have my way in all of it. You are not going to surprise God, I promise you. This does not surprise God, I promise you. But God is going to find, we're going to find God in the middle of it. And we're going to see his name be glorified. But he's going to need his church to do it. And we have to rise up, fear not, seek God, and trust him with everything we've got. Everybody stand to your feet. Now, real quick, as you leave today, there will be ushers at the doors ready to receive your tithe and offering. Somebody asked me last week, Pastor, I don't know to do my tithe. The ushers will be at the door ready to receive your tithe and offering. Thank you for your giving. Uh, and as you go out the main double doors, we have a, that keychain. If you want one of them, just take one. If you don't, it's okay. You're not going to offend me. We just wanted to offer you something today just to bless you and give you a tool that you could share what God's doing here at the house and, and have that with you. And, um, and we're, we're just honored to be your pastors. We're honored to have you as our family. Uh, I want to I want to I want to say this to you because we're, we're working on a bunch of stuff. Uh, somebody asked me, said, "Welcome on Sunday. You're, you're going to have the thing after church." No, we want to start really just taking a lot of opportunities to love on you guys as our church. And so you're going to see this coffee thing happen quite a few more times. And we're talking about doing fire night, our, our Friday night fire event, where we're going to have food trucks in the parking lot at six o'clock, so you can have dinner, and then we can come in here and worship together. We're going to try to find ways that we can really just love on you guys and just have time with y'all because that we, we, we believe that's what families should do, but we're going to do it while we come together and worship God in spirit and truth. Um, and so just be prepared for those things. My wife's got a lot of crazy ideas right now. And I'm like, well, baby, just go ahead. Y'all can thank her for the coffee. She's the one who made that happen. Um, yay, babe. All right, praise <laughs> Can't drink the dang stuff. All right. Uh, here's, what, here's what I want to do. Without, without any reservation, without any thought to it, we, we've already, we already came to the altar with our sin this morning, okay? And there might be some of you in this room right now that say, Pastor, I didn't go because I was afraid. Well, I wanted to help you understand there's nothing to be afraid of. There's no condemnation in this room. We're all sinners saved by grace. Can I get an amen from somebody? Everybody of us got the jacked up story somewhere. None of us came out perfect. None of us are going to, none of us walk perfectly. We all ask God to continue to help us through this. Can I get an amen? Okay. So if you're in this room, you say, Pastor, I didn't go up, but I got sin in my life. Just do me a favor, wave at me real quick. Say, Pastor, I need to leave it here today. That's me. I need to leave it here. I got one. I got one. It's going to be bold enough. Do you got anybody else? Anybody? I got two. Good. Three. I got three. Good. Watch this. As soon as you say that to me, you have now opened up yourself for the God to come in and begin to do his greatest work in you. Just that fast. Here's the crazy part. We think that, oh, I got to come to the altar, and that's the only way I can get out of my sin. Uh-uh. You acknowledge that you have sin and that you need a Savior. That's the greatest part. And God says, good, now I can move. Because now you've given me access where you've walled me off. Now you've given me the opportunity to come in and be the Savior of your life. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray this prayer real fast together as a family. Because I believe that when we pray it together, there's even more power. There's no singling out those who raise their hand. I'm rejoicing. Heaven is screaming with celebration right now because you lifted your hand. So say this with me. Say, God, today I give you my whole heart. Not a portion. I give it all. The broken pieces, the good pieces. And God, I'm not asking you to put me back together. I'm asking for you to create in me a new heart, a clean heart, a righteous heart. Today, I renounce my sinful ways. And I grab a hold of your promise, your plan for my life. Jesus, thank you for dying for my sins so I don't have to carry them anymore. Today, I'm free because whom the sun sets free is free indeed. In Jesus' name, amen. Simple as that, we're done. Sin's over. Now hold on. This is what I'm asking you to do because here's what happens. I can't give you tools and you do nothing with them. You got to use them. So you leave this place today, you're going to get hit with a point where you have to trust God. 
Any time that I deliver a message like this, I promise you the enemy tries to find a way to test whether you'll be faithful with it. See, the great part is that now that I've released it, it's up to you. It's not up to me anymore. I have to give it. You have to use it. But trust me, I have to use it too because God won't let me preach anything that I refuse to walk through. So God says, I'm going to walk you through this so that you can deliver this message. So trust me, I'm already walking this one. Now I need you to do it. There is nothing that surprises God. Stop acting like you're surprised. Nothing. When it comes, hey, God, you saw this. I trust you. You knew this. was not God, why? God, why does it have to happen to me? Ask him not the why, but the what. What's the purpose in this for me so that I can be used by you through it? Leave this place today saying, God, I'm going to seek you, and I'm going to trust you, and I'm never going to fear again. Amen? Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for everybody in this house. I thank you for our newcomers. I thank you for this family. I thank you for this church, what, God, you're doing in this place. Father, I thank you that today was the start of something great. God, there is a fresh fire in this house like I've never felt before. And, God, I'm excited. I'm expecting of the miracles that are to come, of the great things you're going to do with us as a church body. Father, take us from this place today. Give us traveling mercies as we go home. Father, let our favorite football teams win or lose. Whatever, God, I don't care. We trust you. Father, whatever you choose today, we're going to rest in you with everything that we are. Because tomorrow, God, we're going to be, it's going to be our opportunity to show the world that we are not just Sunday Christians. We're not just church attenders. We are people who seek the Lord God. We are people who trust God with everything on the inside of us and lean not on our own understanding, God. Today, Father, strengthen us, encourage us, challenge us to see a great thing happen this week. And God will give you all the praise, the glory, and the honor that's due you. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. And amen. God bless.